welcome everybody um, to our next iteration of the AQVC Insights webinar. Uh, this time again with one of our fantastic uh, portfolio funds. Um, with me today from our team is Alena, our investment manager. Um, she's going to talk a bit about um, our investment into Signature and our process. And obviously, uh, we have also with us Juliane, um, founding partner of Signature. Um, so big round of applause. Um, <laughs> and happy you guys are here. Um, I don't know, Juliane, you want to um, maybe uh, kick it off and and tell us a bit about, about you just very, very briefly, and then we'll dive into, into questions. Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm also very thrilled to be here on the webinar with you guys. Um, we have kicked off a great relationship already. I'm super excited to doing this together today. So um, a few words um, just about me. Like I'm um, untypically and somehow typically for a VC, I'm, I'm a lawyer. So um, I originally also worked as a lawyer at a big, big uh, transaction law firm and uh, then discovered my passion for entrepreneurship and uh, tech innovation early on during my studies already. Um, I was a very young mother, so I didn't have, uh, I thought I didn't have a lot of a choice, but, you know, pulling it through to the end and then also working as a lawyer in the beginning, but somehow um, for good reasons, it always like um, dragged me out of uh, the pure job and um, more into entrepreneurship and investing. So headed and uh, ran to um, bigger investment branches of, of large corporates and then discovered my passion for blockchain or distributed ledger technology to be precise and decentralization. And uh, yeah, figured out that there's a great opportunity, picked that off and now we're here. Nice, fantastic. So handing over to Alena, maybe also a quick, uh, quick intro from your side. Yes, um, very happy to be here today and to host, co-host kind of our uh, next um, session with our portfolio funds. I always enjoy that a lot and also posing some questions, um, not only from us, but also from the audience. So if you have any questions, feel free to uh, write them in the chat. Um, quick intro from my end, I'm AQBC's investment manager um, and co-led the investment in uh, Signature Ventures. Um, Julian and I have met last year during a female-founded or female-led event, uh, but the relationship goes a bit further back also with our founders, uh, developed conviction quite fast. And as you all know, we are investing very thesis-driven around uh, various megatrends, one of them being Web3. And uh, in the space, we really identified Signature Ventures as a um, kind of traditional VC fund that moves in the very dynamic field of, of blockchain and, and Web3. We're going to hear more about that now. Um, and with that, uh, in a first time setup, um, getting really meaningful allocations in portfolio companies and also attracting really international tier one co-investors and follow-on investors. So, um, Juliane, let's maybe jump right in. Um, maybe And maybe let's kick it off with a bit more background to the whole space of uh, distributed ledger technology. So uh, what, made you, what made you focus um, on this space and uh, how did you came up with Signature Ventures in the first place? And maybe also tell us a bit more about your team setup and structure. Sure. So I think the simple answer is what got me there is pure excitement. 
Um, in my former jobs, I had a lot to do with like corporate mentoring, but also with the traditional general VCs and um, the entrepreneurial side of things. So I had a pretty holistic and good overview over the entire space. And uh, during that period, I also discovered for myself um, blockchain as uh, the evolution of the internet, basically. And um, I had, which is like probably not, uh, yeah, what everybody would assume, but I had a, a private interest in cryptography before already. So I had read a bit about cryptography and also did some banking compliance in my former job as a lawyer. So I think I had a basic understanding back then what some issues were um, with, uh, yeah, for, for example, related to privacy uh, and centralization and also in the financial industry. So uh, I was very much aware also of the issue with intermediaries. And at some point in time, I had followed Bitcoin around since 2014, roundabout already. But at some point, I uh, read more about the technology behind it. And when I did that, somehow I was completely excited when I figured out that this is a real paradigm shift. And um, as some say, like to have a great founder myth is very important. Um, and it sounds always like very, you know, marketing story like, but it was really a point in time, like the most exciting point in my professional career when I discovered that for myself. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like I had to read about it. I started to apply for a so-called blockchain um, accelerated where like we shared research um, and yeah, then um, around, uh, I would say all around this um, experience that I had from working with different kind of investors and seeing the challenges on all sides, um, I developed this idea to, to build a fund in, with that specific focus. There was not a lot of knowledge about it or around it. And I was pretty sure that many would miss out on it because it's not an easy thing to discover um, great startups in this or projects in the space. You have to really deep dive into the community. And this is exactly what I did. And that's also how I met Yuri. So he's the technical person or the most technical person in the team. He um, is a data scientist and holds a PhD. And it's also a very research-driven person. So we are really complementary. And then we further build out a team um, with the spirit of having all kinds of, you know, different views on the space within our own team. Mm -hmm. And maybe being a bit more specific also towards your investment strategy. So what are the true pillars within this huge kind of space of, of DLT and blockchain that you really focus on and um, that are maybe spe especially interesting like at this very moment. Yeah, so this has always been like the fundamental evolution of the space was also always our greatest interest. We are not interested in selling tulips or purchasing them and then selling them again. This is the space is very, very noisy. We've always been uh, focused on the on the fundamentals and they are not to be honest they're not very sexy like it's just very nerdy stuff and um and it's also you have to do a lot of research to get to them and also to understand them so um 
the portfolio basically the, the the overall thesis is we are an early stage investor that wants to invest really when the company valuations ideally are not even 10 million euro post money ideally um we like to lead the rounds and we did that a lot of times now and like to also be actively involved so this is like the the overall basis of our investments we have writing tickets up to um, a million, mostly in the yeah, area of 650 to 800K because um, the very, very early rounds, and we like to discover the startups as first investor, um, are usually not that big. And we like to add further great co-investors that add to us and to add to our experience in the round. So that is from the structural side. And then from um, the the topic side our focus is first of all the pure fundament like really for example new protocols and then we have um, an intersection that is called we call like open finance and then um, a pillar that is early applications and they're basically related to each other but also guarantee that we have a great risk mitigation within the portfolio because uh, they are typically for example whether addressing multiple industries or for example spe specifically um, stemming from one uh, very yeah, um, fast-growing industry like for example we had um, the, a topic in in the climate environment uh, carbon credit a topic for example um, or a molecule which is in the biotech space mm. Yeah, I think what what we are what we are seeing is that it's obviously a, a really horizontal, right? It's like it touches almost everything, uh, the traditional sectors, which makes obviously Web three investing a little bit of a of an outlier as a bucket, right? It's a bit we are we've been discussing this also around uh, AI or even deep tech, which is not really a sector specifically because it's touching all kinds of different verticals. Um, so it would also interest me from Alena a little bit, uh, because obviously when we invest into a fund, we are obviously investing 50-50 as a fund of fund in emerging managers on one hand, and you would classify as an emerging manager. And on the other hand, we also invest in established managers. Yeah? These established managers are very often access constraints. It's a lot about access, but they are also mostly generalists. Yeah, And so for us, it's always an interesting mix from a diversification standpoint to bring in specialists and generalists um, from these buckets and Web3 being one of the you know core fundamental driving forces over the next decade. Um, I would be curious to hear from Alena a little bit what was our thesis and also what have you seen in the competitive landscape of Web3 funds and why you and the team also selected Signature to bring to the IC? Yeah, very good question. And I think uh, especially investments in the whole space of Web3 are, are still a bit controversially discussed. Uh, I mean, there were a few cases that led investors to back off, but uh, I'm very happy that we kind of um, looked at the space from a different angle uh, and, and took a different shot on it because uh, as you as you mentioned, I think it's a very fundamental um, shift that is happening in the space at the moment that will not only change like one specific industry, but like each and every industry. And um, one topic that uh, definitely like supported and drove the investment in signature ventures is that um, there was already 
a kind of underlying portfolio that um, we could analyze and some great use cases where we could really see the application of, of blockchain technology ranging from biotech to climate tech to fintech, uh, but also kind of to, to B2B enterprise tech um, that made it on the one hand side easier for us to understand the use cases, but also to show us how fundamental it really is um, and how good it also suits with the rest of our portfolio um, funds. I mean, um, there is a huge overlap with Web3 and climate, for example, at the moment. We see the first funds that are being created just in the space. Uh, good timing, mm -hmm. we spoke to one this morning. Um, but even the more traditional climate tech funds are looking into Web3 companies. And that's just one example, right? Um, so in general, um, and just rounding this up on the competitive landscape, I think what we saw is definitely that most of the funds in the space are uh, super new to the market, um, that they've been founded in the last one to two years. And um, I would still say that many of them are following a hype and a trend and that they might not be too concentrated on, on, on their investment theses and uh, might also be a bit opportunistic um, as they're very there are a lot of high projects coming into the space and Juliana can probably tell like can ref reference like three hours about it um but that's what uh what we felt with signature was different um that they're very like disciplined concentrated taking time for their due diligence even though it is a even especially in the pre-seed and seed fields uh, a very uh, dynamic and, and fast-moving environment um but uh, that was definitely one of the main reasons and Juliana, maybe with that, handing it over to you, uh, I would also like to give the audience the opportunity to understand one or two use cases a bit better from the portfolio. And we already talked about the intersection of, of Web3 and climate. Um, one more general question I, I, I would like to, you, to ask you is, what do you think in general of the space? How, how will it develop? How will blockchain play a uh, role into the, uh, in the in the whole climate tech space, and then uh, a bit more specifically, what does uh, Atom, one of your portfolio companies, do? Mm -hmm. So starting with Atom, for example, this is a very good example of um, when you take a deep dive uh, into a certain industry and see basically where the um, or in a certain field of, I would say it's even like a, an entire challenge um, in a certain um, field that touches many industries. Here it's, it's carbon emission. Um, you find that there is natural necessity for this kind of tech stack. Um, why is that? So in the carbon credits um, market, for example, there's a lot of intransparency. There's like, it's, it sounds hilarious, but the way it is partly handled is that you get a certificate that is basically in PDF and you move it to trash some when you consume it, like when you retire it is the correct term. So this is, this is like outrageous, right? In, in, um, in the uh, century we're in. And there, for example, the characteristics of distributed ledger technology come into play because it's open, transparent, and secure. So you can basically follow the issuance and the entire stack, like when also when you, for example, sell it, because it will become a financial product or a financial instrument at some point in time. And then until it's basically burned or retired, 
And um, we found that um, value proposition of including or combining these two topics very striking. This is also a good example because what you mentioned, uh, Stefan, is very true. Some funds invest in also in the space, invest vertically, and we invest horizontal, uh, mm. horizontally. So you can't do, and this is also a reason for our, I would say, slower approach in investing is really that we need to take a very deep dive into these topics before we actually do an investment. It's every time we are dealing with a, a bit of a different um, challenge and probably even another industry while we're still um, leveraging on our expertise about the um, technology. And this is also, by the way, why we like to add co-investors that then have an expertise in this particular field that we are investing in. This is exactly why we um, like to make room for great co-investors. And um, those teams have very similar challenges reaching from one industry that is basically revolution, uh, revolutionized probably, or even like the financial industry, or just benefits from this socioeconomic changes that this new technology brings to the industry. And there the problems are sometimes quite similar. This is exactly where we then can add our value and help those teams um, to, yeah, basically copy paste from the experience from other teams. Mm. No, that's um... exactly why it takes so much time and effort also to really make a decision and also to source these startups because you want to work with, of course, the best possible player out there. Yeah, I think... What, you, what you're saying is super true, right? It's taking time, especially in an industry that is kind of what Alena also mentioned, known a little bit for hype, for for mm. also you have some, you know, bad apples, unfortunately, in the in the Web3 space. I think it's super important to actually go and take the time and look at the founders and work with them, get to know them and their, their projects. Um, but one other question I had was, you know, in regards to taking time, a little bit about your own fundraising and your own sort of journey in that in that in that very kind of today's market, which obviously isn't necessarily driven by hype to venture capital, more like uncertainty. There's everybody is is interested. Every it's like a pool, right? Everybody is standing in front of the pool, but nobody was the first one to jump in <laughs> a little bit there. Yeah? So um, <laughs> maybe tell us a bit about your journey there. I, I think your your final final close is done, right? So. We are currently actually uh, in the on the last meter. So we are right now, today and tomorrow, onboarding the very last investors. And we have our final closing on the 30th of April. So Friday will be uh, the big day for us because uh, the 30th is a Sunday. Um, so if there's any interest, they really need to call me today. <laughs> so it's really, it's a, it's a, actually a great question because I think most people are not very honest about the process. For an emerging manager to go out there and to have like a fundamentally new um, idea about the way of investing and also probably an edgy topic that is also then already burned by this entire discussion if Bitcoin is, you know, 
only for criminals you remember that i mean nowadays people are ashamed if they say something like that because it really shows how uninformed they are but this was the discussion um that we when we started um with a signature that we really had on a regular basis energy consumption of blockchains uh, mm -hmm. criminal behavior and all that stuff while it is fundamentally a privacy technology and it's exactly the opposite of what many said or thought it to be and that was a, a kind of a challenge in the beginning to be honest because we had to do a lot of education and then you are living through these cycles where then uh, somehow the market goes up and everybody suddenly gets interested and you can save yourself from requests and now, many people want to be um, educated more and you have to filter those out that you you want to work with on a long-term basis. And we have been very selective also with uh, the investors we took on board. Um, and I think you are a great example of a fund of fund and also from the mindset of people we really want to work with and we like to work with because you have a really a large interest in how we're working and you're also very present. And this is... Um, if you then also are picky about the people you you want to work with uh, it becomes a, a pretty big challenge to get a fund full and i saw many failing on the way and we are more than lucky um, that we we are where we are today i think what helped and this is also what i recommend to young funds is if you have a little bit of money um do small warehousing deals and start to show what you can do start to show that you have access and start to show that your investments are have a great fundament and we were also very lucky that the first picks we did have developed incredibly like really partly insanely so also that brought us a lot of traction but also and in all honesty being a woman and telling people that you're going to start your own tech fund now and you're originally a lawyer, um, is probably not <laughs> the easiest marketing story in the beginning. So what we did was we focused simply on the performance. We said, hey, let's take all the time in the world. And now we have the funny situation that we already did and are currently also again in the process of distributing and we're still getting new investors on board. So it's like... It's a kind of where two worlds are coming together here because usually that's of course not happening. Um, but we we had um, like we really benefited from that approach, and I would say it was the only way that we could be successful with the fundraising. Yeah, no, I, I we hear this with a lot of uh, managers right now, especially emerging managers. They are still it's 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 kind of crazy there's still the ones out there that really close fast that can be selective about their lps and you've been a great example there right i mean you um you, you did the right strategy and you did it super well so you could be selective you could um build up your portfolio and your performance i i guess speaks for itself we can talk about this in a bit um but maybe alena also from your side um what other advice would you give to emerging managers currently raising in this environment? Maybe not just focused on Web3, but in general, we see um, there's, uh, there's really, really now there's the separation from the, mm -hmm. from the good from the great. Yeah. Um, so, oh, sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry, I, I, I just chip in my five cents and then Juliana, happy to get your input as well. Um, I think first and foremost is being patient. Uh, don't get don't get too comfortable uh, when looking back at the last two years and the fundraising speed then, um, but really take time and be equipped to, um, yeah, to just be, um, be careful and patient with LPs uh, coming on board. Uh, one thing that I find super important is to also not only rely on high net worth individuals, former founders and small tickets, but also especially with first funds or second funds, try to get the first institutionals on board because they will be the ones that hopefully re-up and fund too and make your life easier then. And they are also a very credible kind of reference for every other LP that comes in in the future. Um, besides that, um, we see that more and more emerging managers, even though they have a very generalist investment focus, they try to specialize in either being super supportive, in being very hands-on with their portfolio um, companies in ways that I haven't uh, heard of before. And Juliana, you are doing something similar and uh, not only being um, of help when it comes to how to, how to further develop the company, but also how to further develop the founders, how to help them uh, psychologically to become better leaders and so on. Um, I've seen the first funds that are super, super focused on that, uh, that work uh, with a strong psychological angle. Um, and I think that's, I personally find it super, super interesting. Uh, but yeah, Juliana, feel free to, to add to it. This was exactly uh, um, what I think, Stefan, is, the, is the, uh, one of the greatest pieces of advice to ask a fund of funds like you that have an overview because you know all the stories. This is, I think, the best thing you can do because in the beginning, you, if you have not raised before, you're pretty much lost um, in the environment and you also don't know what kind of investors to address. So, I mean, there you see with Alina's answer, um, this is like so insightful and the best source of information you can get. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, we are also uh, with our structure as an evergreen and as a stock corporation, we are always also raising ourselves. So, I mean, one big advantage of our structure is that investors can still get exposure to funds like Signature that already have closed, right? I think this is something that is um, also always uh, interesting, but it also means that we are also always fundraising, right? So we are kind of in between. We get the nice uh, stories from the funds uh, who tell us what is what is working in their, uh, for, for, for their LPs. And it's usually a very specific type of LP that is relevant to them. And then we have also our own kind of specific target audience that uh, we are constantly working with. Um, so yeah, we are we are we are like in the in the I don't I don't know if we can beep this out, but in the shit sandwich a bit where <laughs> get, uh, yeah, both sides are, um, are, are, are troubling right now or are not so straightforward. No, um, I'm only joking, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think both of you are right, and this advice goes out uh, to to a lot of the managers trying to raise right now. Um, but I think one of the strengths that you guys had with Signature was your portfolio, right? So um, I don't know if we mentioned this in the beginning, maybe you want to quickly talk about your fund size, how many portfolio mm -hmm. companies you have and how much you have invested. And then maybe you can talk about sort of some of the 
real outlier winners and uh, what excites you about them? Mm -hmm. So uh, portfolio fund size, I can, or the final fund size, I can tell you next week because there's still tickets coming in right now. Uh, roughly, um, you're, you're below 50 million. That we can, we can yes, say that. Exactly. Yeah. So you published it with 30 and we will be in the range. Like, yeah. you know, um, so uh, that will be the final fund size. And we um, didn't want to grow larger than that because we have such an early stage approach and we're very intensely caring for the startup. So there wouldn't be more room for us, you know, to take more companies in the portfolio. I think uh, we have like a lot of very, very interesting companies in the portfolio that I always get very excited about. Um, internationally, the most well-known one is for sure Celestia because they basically are the, um, the, the, the thought leader and um, opened up the entire um, yeah, new modular tech stack. So um, Celestia has been in the news all the time over the last one and a half years. And that is well justified because the team is excellent. Um, and what they do is fundamentally new and brilliant. Um, and then I think also very well known in the US, of course, is Unchained Capital. They just raised a 60 million round last week. So congratulations to them. They did an amazing job. Um, with uh, basically um, simplified with um, Bitcoin lending, like lending and having Bitcoin collateral while you do not compromise basically the self-custody approach um, with their multi-sig walls. And uh, they are introducing also fundamentally new products based on Bitcoin that are really um, an interesting financial instrument from all sides of so introducing um, IRA plans, so retirement plan, plans mm -hmm. that have a tax benefit and all of that. Um, they do an amazing job as well. And in Germany, I think one of the most well-known currently is, of course, Finoa. And they um, also got their uh, licenses recently from BaFin. So it's uh, the go-to custodian. And they're basically an entry point, not only for the protocols, but also for all the institutionals that want to store and work with their um with their tokens and crypto assets so also an amazing team and we're working closely with them are very impressed of what they have achieved over the last years i i mean we we already talked about uh, value creation on the lp side and um i would also be super interested in what's your kind of special usp and pitch uh, to your founders and what makes them um, in, in this very kind of competitive and from what I understood, a very international environment uh, also choose you uh, as lead investors or even like um, smaller investors? Um, first of all, I mean, the ultimate question to be in touch with them is access, getting access. So if you're not competing, um, that's already a good thing if you don't even have to compete. So the first and uh, most important part is to really be there where nobody else is. And then um, to prove yourself that being a valuable partner and um, being the best choice is, I think, fundamental honesty, really being true about what you can do and what you can't do, and um, dedication. The most common mistakes when funds mature over time is that they get 
the managers kind of get saturated. They are not that, you know, hands-on anymore, but they have often have the knowledge and the experience. So basically the founders could get a lot of benefit from working with them, but they are not present. Sometimes also the portfolio is just too big. And for us, it's really like being there is super important, like being accessible, being responsible, um, listening and learning. Uh, they are the experts mostly. We have another expertise that we add to support them with uh, growing sustainably. But um, ultimately, we have to listen a lot of what they are telling and reading, what they are doing, and then um, trying to be as beneficial as we can. And um, I think this is like, and sometimes um, it, I have the feeling that also they value that we are, we consider ourselves founders as well. I mean, we have gone through nearly all the issues that every startup has to face. You have, in the beginning, you have no processes, you have no money, you need to shape your product, you need to reinvent yourself constantly, you need to basically market yourself. Um, it's like, there's so many challenges. So why should we be any different? I mean, this is something that I also miss a little bit in the space to stay humble and also, you know, um, not trying to, to, to be, um, to give them the feeling that you control their access to success. You're just one of many people that can give them money. And the good founders, you're usually always somehow at some point in time, you're competing with other great investors. Um, if there's no competition at all over time, should steer some thinking. So this is, I think, a very important and then also walk the talk. I mean, we um, salary wise, you know, incentive wise, we I just had the discussion with one of the founders we're currently in, uh, in negotiations with about, you know, the vesting, the founder vesting. And um, I disclosed my vesting schedule to her to, to show her that what we expect is not only market standard, but also we walk the talk. We do it ourselves. This is also, I think, very important. Um, mm. And then, of course, you know, constantly try to add value. And sometimes it's not working for some reason. And that's when you really have to think about why it's not working. Um, this uh, should be individual single cases probably because the company has advanced very far and they currently need another level of expertise in a specific um, field, for example. Um, but there should always be a good reason. And if it's a reason that uh, comes from you, like from your own expertise or from your behavior, you at least have to think about it and look in the mirror and ask yourself, how can I do it differently and be open for criticism? This is, you should... I mean, the, the ethics and culture you have in your own team should also, if it's a good one, and a, like you say, you have a good feedback culture, why shouldn't you be open to feedback from others too? I mean, also from our piece, for example. Um, that's, by the way, something I appreciated a lot um, while working with you because we have shared this culture of being very open with each other. And that just makes things so much easier. Remove all the hierarchies. 
in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me as a, you know, previously I was a founder, right? For 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 multiple years I built built companies and I've raised from from great VC funds. But it 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 took me some time. But once I understood that a VC fund is also like a startup, right? It's it's <laughs> it's really hard to operate, it's really hard to build. Um there is a lot of middle office and back office that you never see as a founder. So when your reporting is late, then this all trickles, uh, trickles down the chain. And I think this this helped me a lot to to really um, get to know my VCs, my investors better, and understand what their business looks like, what their revenue model looks like, and obviously building that for a for an emerging manager. And I mean, you've hit it out of the park with a thirty million ish fund for the first time fund, right? I think this is. Um, this is great, but we see a lot of emerging managers um, sometimes very struggle, right? And then this obviously becomes, there is a natural selection process, which I think is fine, but obviously living becomes harder, right? And you mentioned earlier, you've become a mother very early, right? So how did you manage all of that, right? What is sort of, what's your secret sauce on this? Mm, I take a lot of joy out of the work that I'm doing because I'm like, working with an amazing team um, we are really we gr we've grown together in an amazing way and I'm I'm very proud of being able to work with them I learn a lot from them um, so this is like I know everybody says it but I really feel that as well and I have the most amazing LPs it's incredible also how much time we can spend you know what level of openness we have and then also the founders I mean this is like the entire um, network around us is just like full of amazing people I love to work with. And this is uh, the, the most honest um, reply because this is where my intrinsic motivation comes from. When I like, I get, I never hardly ever get bored by the topic, but if it's overwhelming and the market crashes again and everybody confuses tulips with fundamental infrastructure, I somehow get on the team level or I meet with like one of our great LPs and that, you know, drags me back into enjoying what I do again. And I think what I also learned is, I mean, you know, handling, of course, my son now is nearly 20 years old, so he doesn't need intense care all the time, which is great and gives me a lot of leg room. Um, I think still that, um, you may not forget about yourself. I just like, for example, the last three, four years have been super intense and I was not taking enough vacation. And that kind of gets to a point where you just feel when you don't get the breaks to focus on yourself, you just become worse in everything you do because you, you don't have to say 100% energy level anymore. So you basically have to discount on everything you do a bit. And um, or it takes a lot of energy to get back to your A game. And then somehow another day you are only at 60%. And uh, I recently had a break of like probably nine days. Um, and I just also turned my phone off during the day for many days. Um, of course, you have to check it in between. You know how it is. You're managing director and so on. But that was really great. That gave me a lot of, you know, uh, re-energized myself a lot. And this is also what I preach to our founders. I mean, I, I tell them, take the time off, you know. Mm. You need to recharge your battery. And people 
just kind of don't want to talk about it because they're like want to show how extreme they are and you know I get up at five and I go to bed at one at night four hours of sleep you know might work for some but it's not the natural thing if you ask like any uh, a professional about it it's more like a thing that is uh, worrisome and um, I think we should like not um, try to market these to being a super machine that is constantly working and has no emotions and has no family life and no ups and downs and you know nobody diseases and you never you know you're never ill and stuff um this is something that i also want to basically when i work with our founders want to transport in our conversations just honestly tell me if you're not well because then i understand why your reporting is late you know your 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 mother is very ill you have to take care of your mother yes. that can happen but like talk about it and then help each other and this is like we have to, you can then create redundancy as well and support. Um, and I think this is something that I feel in our team that I'm also supported when I'm not well. Or um, yeah, if somebody else is not well, I'm happily jumping in. And that gives me a lot of strength. Mm. I, alone, I couldn't handle all of that um, all alone, for sure. 100%. I think it, it, it comes down to the team. And I mean, for us also, um, we are very proud of the of the team that we have built, yeah, at AQBC, and it's 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 this is the essence that you learn as a founder that you always have to hire better people than yourself, and you need to somehow multiply <laughs> yourself. And I feel that generally in venture, and especially not just in the startups, but even in the asset allocator world, LPVC uh, space, it's it's very much still a a obviously working extremely hard on one hand and a lot of people like that i personally like that for me i love my job and i love to work so it doesn't feel like work when i when i work many hours but still you need to you have personal issues right there's there's family there's life right around you and on the other hand i see that there's sometimes this lifestyle cult of founders that are extremely optimized or even investors that are extremely optimized that um I heard on the Doppelgänger podcast, a very famous uh, German podcast, that they say if the startups, if the founders spend their time in January in Cape Town, then this is a definite no-go to invest because they're lifestyle founders. So there's also hard opinions on this. Yeah, uh, maybe a bit joking about this. Um, yeah. But it feels like we need to find as, a, as an industry also a healthy middle ground of enjoying work, working hard and still making time uh, and getting rest yeah, to be to be highly productive. Yeah, and I think this is often confused if somebody is managing themselves very well. It has nothing to do with not working hard. All of us are working hard. If not, we wouldn't be where we are. I mean, it's simply hour-wise not possible because, I mean, managing a fund, yeah, you know how it is. Um, it's just an insane amount of work. And if you're a small fund, you don't have like the money to pay 20 people that you know do the work for you you're doing it yourself so um like this is coming going away from this you know um uh, irrational uh, image of you know what uh, felt, uh, this cult like working ethic is really weird and um i mean i know a lot of founder stories i think everybody does that you know have basically promoted a cult-like working uh, behavior and if you know them they had a burnout 
um, at least once. Um, and they have not been openly talking about it. Um, mm. So this is something, I mean, um, you have to know your own boundaries and they are very different from person to person. A very good example is also if we're working with very research-driven people, they're geniuses. They have produced output that is insane. I mean, they are world leaders, thought leaders on a specific topic. And they are very, very um, busy people. But they know this deep thinking needs a break sometimes. They need to step out of it. If you do not give them the break and do expose them too much, their work gets worse and they get really stressed out in their, uh, in their core. So it's also from person to person, the way you think is different. So also your working style needs to adapt to that. Mm, yeah. Um, we are slowly running out of time. This is, uh, this is going mm. super quick as, as always. Uh, love to talk to you. Uh, and I hope this is interesting to our audience. So again, a quick reminder to everyone who's listening, uh, please use the Q&A or the chat for some questions. Um, maybe to kick off the final questions and uh, maybe quick quick answers on this. Uh, Juliana, what's your vision for, for Signature? Where do you want to take the firm over, over the next 100 years, right? I don't know. So for sure, Signature is... Um the sum of its individual parts and somehow the individual parts uh, will also change over time for sure. We, we get a lot of interest of people that want to, to um, uh, join us. And I think that will fundamentally also influence the way that we are going. For us, there's a, some core principles. And uh, for example, one is we do not want to compromise on quality. We do want to work on fundamental relevant uh, innovation and that innovation needs to be beneficial to humanity so uh, if we are raising fund two at a certain point in time i'm not even thinking about it today because fund one is just about to be closed um probably in in 12 to 18 months we'll see but it might also change like also the technology might change the way we do investments and I don't want to formally commit to something that might not be mm. the best case scenario when we get there. Um, we will for sure uh, care for innovation. This is for sure. And um, this is also the, the entire team is very committed to that. One more, one more question from my end and also kind of linking back to the intro and also taking one step back and looking more um, to you as a private person as a person in the VC ecosystem. Um, I know that we're both very dedicated to diversity, uh, especially when it comes to VCs, uh, when it comes to female founders, et cetera. So uh, what do you actively do to, to promote this matter in the ecosystem at the moment? Uh, I support actively a couple of projects that are um, educating female investors and also mentoring female founders just to for example, bring them together, but also to help them to navigate around. Um, and because there is a similarity bias um, and uh, female investors tend to invest in diverse teams more often. So we try to um, yeah, go with the statistics there and basically build a fertile soil. Um, also to educate people about it, to rethink about bias. Um, everybody is biased and this is not a bad thing. 
it's just a matter of fact that I need to rethink if my first impulse is uh, fact-based or if it's uh, bias-based and mm -hmm. which leads to better thinking. So I do most of the speeches in the, in the field. Like I hope that someday it's not necessary anymore because it's also draining sometimes. And it's a topic you don't want to necessarily be too associated with because it's also stigmatized. But um, to me, I mean, removing uh, this, like, these biases or at least bringing them to the conscious level is one necessary step. Um, and of course, ourselves, I mean, you know, you have to talk, you have to do some mirror talk. Um, you have to consider how you're reviewing uh, pitches from diverse teams. You have to make sure that you are not um, driven by bias yourself. And that is also best um, measured with simple numbers um, and statistics. Yeah? Compare your output to statistics and see where you are and where you rank. Yeah. Um, 100%. I don't know, Alena, how we are in time. Did we have, um, I think we are over time already. We blocked. Um... 45 minutes, uh, but yes. I see all of our participants are still here. So thanks for that. <laughs> so um, thanks for that. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for, for staying on. with us. <laughs> um, um, no, but of course, if there would be like uh, another question from, from the audience, happy to take that. Um, yeah. If not, also happy to to round it up. Yeah, I think so. You, Juliane, you mentioned you're, you're obviously in the final closing, super busy the next uh, two days. Hope. Uh, <laughs> Uh, which we wish you best of luck if people want to still get in touch with you any lps or startups or founders how, what's the best way to get in touch with you in this circle i think you can just email me uh linkedin is a bit noisy usually so it's just contact me uh, juliana at signatureventures.com and uh, please have an understanding that i will be very selective over the next days <laughs> but i will for sure reply after the final closing latest and if there's really um, an investment interest and please mention it in the headline other than that it might I'm, it might drown uh, in the momentary struggle with all the subdocs coming in well uh, if anybody wants to invest they can also always talk to us obviously um, we are more than happy um, to tell them uh, and everyone who wants to learn more about AQVC uh, more um, and yeah if there are any other funds listening in, any other emerging managers or established managers, please also always reach out to us uh, to uh, onboarding at aqvc.com. So uh, we are also always looking to talk to, to more funds um, and getting to know you. Uh, and so with this, I think, big thank you, Juliane and Alena uh, for, for doing this and uh, looking forward to the next next iteration of this hopefully in a year time juliana we can do a we can do a follow-on and then um you know let's see what happened in the portfolio we are extremely excited me too actually <laughs> thank you very much for having me today thank, thank you, you guys Take have care. a good rest of the week bye you too thank you bye bye